You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trophy Horse. This is episode 476 and yield. I hate to be the one to say it, but should we start calling Tricky a guest host? Because he's not showing up for his host duties. I know, right? I mean, I think we should. I think Levi's been on more this year than he has. I mean, I guess it's more of like a surprise when Tricky's ever on. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe next week we'll have... Well, I guess he told me today. And within two weeks' time, he'll be back. So, we'll have guest host Tricky Mick here in, uh, in, in next two week. weeks. Actually... actually that means he's going to mix, miss the next recording. No, no, no. I thought he was going to miss the next recording with Levi, but Levi's at the beginning of the month, so he. I think that'll actually be the next show that Levi is on. So at least we'll have that, Tricky and Levi, finally on, because if you remember, last time Levi was on the show, he wanted to... He was He was very... Uh, he was upset that he didn't get to record with his good friend Tricky Mick. Yeah, he was a little disappointed in that. Well, we're getting started a little late today because not that you know the listeners would know that because the show will hopefully be out on Wednesday for them to listen to. But I got started a little late tonight. Yield, thanks for for making some accommodations there for me. I had to finish my my breakfast for dinner, sir. Oh, no problem. I was I was playing some video games. Well, how's your week been thus far since our yet another frustrating week in Rocket League Thursdays this past week? Well, I I, I tried to play some some today, some competitive for uh to get that last challenge knocked out and it just must have been uh i i got stuck on the team of people who i guess have never played snow day is what it felt like so anyway but other than that not bad never do this competitive competitive soccer no not really Here's the thing, Yield. I, I feel like you see the word competitive and you're like, oh, that's for the really good players when, I mean, like you and Gareth are really good players, but I've played in competitive. And I'll tell you, the pool of players in Rocket League is big enough where competitive has people that are good, but also people that are not that great. So competitive's not like a step up from casual or anything like that. It's just in competitive, if you quit out of matches, there's no replacement on your team. They just go down to two or one players. And I think if you quit enough out of games, you get you're unable to join competitive games for a certain amount of time. But but I'm telling you, dude, the difficulty is not that bad. Gotcha. It's no no different than casual. I I thought about jumping into it, but I had already played like five or six games and had gone over. My my last one, Frank the Tank, came out. So, wait, does that mean you were just gonna play one more? No, I I uh. I was actually scoring goals for the other team. Mm. My, my 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 team my team did a number on me. We uh, I I got the puck pushed tor- pushing towards the goal, and I the, the whole I I had cleared it over everybody's head. So the whole other team is behind us. So I slow up and I'm just going to tap it, tap the puck, so it'll because it was veering a little to the right, and I slow up to tap it. My my one teammate clears me out of the way. So I'm like, okay, second teammate's right there. All he's got to do is just bump it in. Nice and straight. Open goal. Nice, you know, 
awesome. We're, we're going to get a goal. And he hits it, knocks it left, hits it again, and just totally just obliterates it around the the stadium. And I'm just like, really? Well, Yield, I hate to say you've been wasting your time, but it sounds like you and I have been on the same course because I watched Kong versus Godzilla today, or Godzilla versus Kong, and that that is not good. It is not a good movie. Really? A buddy of mine said he enjoyed it. See, here's the thing. The special effects, the monsters look great, and the special effects are fantastic. And we've gotten to the point, like, I remember when the original Transformers movie came out, and not like the animated one back in the 80s, but the 2007 one with Shia LaBeouf. When that came out, people were complaining that, like, oh, the Transformers look cool, and all the transformations, like, were great. But that when the, like, the, the Transformers were fighting, like, you couldn't really tell what was going on. We finally got to the point where I feel like when you see Kong and Godzilla fight, you can actually see what they're doing. You, you can see, like, actually see the point, the finer points of the fight that's going on. And not, not just, like, a whir of CGI that you, it's like, I, I have no idea what's going on. And the problem is, is that a lot of times in these movies, they, the human element's just so disappointing. Like, the monster scenes are great, but when you throw in the humans, like, it's like the Transformers movies, they're just terrible. Like, all the scenes with the humans are really bad, and then you've got, like, these high schoolers that are, you know, teaming with this conspiracy theorist who are trying to, you know, uncover some evil doing or whatever, and, like, they get into, like, secret bases where they should have no way of getting into with all, like, the security. It's just, it gets really bad. Um, the yeah. writing is not there, is what you're saying. It just every scene with the humans, it's like if you can go online on YouTube and look at all the fight scenes between the, the monsters, that's great. That's the best part. That's the only part you would want to watch in this movie. But, it, you know, if you've got to sit through a, almost a two-hour movie and watch all the human being, like the human struggle of it and the human side, it's just not worth it because all that shit yeah. so you, cringe. You, you, you did a real, a real good job there comparing it to the Transformers because that was my big argument with the, with the Transformers movies. Now, granted, I'm way behind. I've only seen the first couple. But that was always my complaint, was that we were trying to make a Transformers live-action movie. and But the, the story seemed to center more around the humans. And it was like, no, it was always about the Transformers and the humans were sidekicks. So the story needs to center around them. Well, I mean, I get, like, the idea that, you know, in a lot of news stories, you want to humanize it, and, like, so the readers can attach to it, but with movies like, with Godzilla and King Kong, and that you know, Transformers, is, that like, is they're, they're the characters we want to see, that's yeah. what we want to see, we don't care about that human beings, like, no. you need to show some human beings running down, running around the foot of Godzilla, trying to avoid getting crushed or burned alive, that's fine, but, like, having deep stories, and, like, having be human beings so interconnected to the story, just... It doesn't often work well. I think in the Clover in Cloverfield, it worked really well, but like in the Godzilla reboot in the '90s, it was terrible. You know, with with Matthew uh, Broderick and uh, it's just. I mean, most of these monster movies, the human element's the worst part, and it, it just makes you not want to watch the movie again. So, action scenes are great, CGI is great, just the the whole human element. I I, I hate any moment that the the humans are on the on the screen, but. Uh, but you know, we, you know, not as well publicized of a fight as Kong and Godzilla, but every week we have our struggle between all of us and who's going to top who in the trophy charts. And, you know, usually it doesn't change much, but... Uh, no, it doesn't. 
But we st- we still need to give ourselves a pat on the back for some some accomplishments within the week. So, Yield, what's your trophy count, sir? Uh, level 444. Trophy count of 7270. And a platinum count of 122. Can't remember if I went over this last week before my computer decided it didn't want to connect to the internet. I got a new platinum. You also overtook so. me in the levels. You went above me 444 to 443. What I was did. your new platinum? Uh, Adam's or Adam's Venture Origins. And I believe you gave us a little description of that on last week's show, correct? Yes, it, it's a, uh, for, if I didn't, or for those who don't know, um, a cheap knockoff would be kind of like a, uh, an Uncharted, which it's more of a, and I only say that because of the exploration, so to speak. Um, it's more of a, of, uh, an Indiana Jones type game. Where you're you're in the 1920s, you're an archaeologist, uh, and you've got there's not you don't find a lot in the sense of you walk around and oh here's a treasure a la Uncharted. You basically kind of walk through the level. You got a like a grappling hook you can throw and swing to get to the next puzzle, and then you solve a puzzle, and then you go a little further into the level, we solve another puzzle, and so on and so forth to get through the game. Um, puzzle, well, by the, what you were describing, it was more archaeologist than action hero. It is. Because you said there was no, like, fighting or gunplay in it. No, no, there isn't. And then, um, um, kind of, kind of some ton-in-cheek, some ton-in-cheek ton writing. Um, your archaeologist kind of seems more of a buffoon than an actual archaeologist, but it's kind of funny, because He's smart enough to know better, in, in a sense, but he's too worried about hitting on the hot assistant. So, it, it's like, I I paid, I don't know, two, three bucks for it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I wouldn't pay, I think, the 20 bucks that they were wanting for it, but I enjoyed it for what it was. It was, it was a fun little different game. Yeah. Uh... Trophies. Tricky Mick is level 607, total trophy count of 13,954, with a platinum count of 255. I am level 443, total trophy count of 7,294, with Ooh. 111 platinums in 110 games. I'm working 24 on my... behind you. Well, you're probably going to catch me. I am working on my next platinum, but yeah, you're probably going to catch me in, in trophies because I've been playing... Well, I've been playing quite a bit of Animal Crossing these days, so jumping back into that. So I'm not necessarily uh, in the game I have right now. Probably isn't going to give me a big enough lead, considering how you have been knocking off platinums left and right. Sid, last but not least, is at level 515 with a total trophy count of 10,277 and a platinum count of 176. So uh, we've already heard a little bit yield about what you've been playing. Yes. Let's. Oh. Before we do that, I do want to give a PSA because the Play at Home promotion is going on right now. So I want to remind you again uh, to download these games, if any of them sound like games you want, to download them now while, while you can for free. So um, download these games from March 25th, 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time to April 22nd, 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. So when this show comes out, you will have a couple more days to download these. So it's important that if you haven't downloaded any of these, go ahead and go for it. Uh, the PS4 games are Subnautica, Enter the Gungeon, 
Abzu, The Witness, and Res Infinite. PlayStation VR games are Astrobot Rescue Mission, Moss, Thumper, and Paper Beast. And the tenth and final free game we get uh, is Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition, starting April 19th and running until May 14th. You can download that for free. So once you hear this show, you can go download Horizon Zero Dawn uh, until May 14th. But those other games, you got to download before April 22nd at 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. So go ahead and get those while I can. All right. PSA done. Uh, Yield. So yes. What else have you been playing this week? Uh, well, let me see here. Let me, let me pull my phone back up here. Well, we, we, so we know Rocket at, League. Yeah, Aside Rocket, from Rocket, Rocket League. League uh, was at my brother's the other day. Oh, no, uh, it's Mario Kart time. It was Mario Kart time. Uh, oh, God, Mario Kart 64. No, no, we were playing Mario Kart 8. So my, my brother had how, the... How do you... The, the racing in that is so terrible. Well, it's, the rubber banding is so terrible. I mean, it don't you you could have a lead like you wouldn't believe and turn around and they're right behind you. And it's like there's no way, you know, cuz you know, you get you get stuck in the middle of the pack and you're stuck in the middle of the pack unless you just happen to catch a right break at the right time. Well, it's not that, even like against human players, but like they rubber band the CPU, so like in Mario Kart and even in Crash Team Racing, like generally you will have the computer will randomly pick one person to race really well for a cup or whatever, whatever four races you're doing, and that person will be in contention with you for the entire time. So, like, maybe it's one um, four set of races, it's Princess Peach, and then the next cup it's Bowser or somebody, but they will randomly pick somebody, and that other person will come in second or first every time. So if you fall behind, like, get hit by a blue shell or a red shell or something and fall behind in the last race, you could easily lose even against the computer because they picked arbitrarily picked one person to do really well that cup. Yeah, but we, we we had fun. The four of us were were racing against us in the computer, and it was good times. I think we ended up. I think Homer ended up winning a couple more than I did, but it was pretty even between the two of us. How many fat lips or broken noses were given out? None. Some trash talking was had. I'm I'm surprised. Usually Mario Kart and Mario Mario Party bring out the worst in people as far as when it comes to competitiveness. Well, I I I know Homer gets really mad because of all the times of of me and and his buddy when we played Mario Kart. He <laughs> it never fa- ask him. He'll he'll swear up and down. It never fails. He gets in the lead, and one of us will get a blue shell and hit him with it. So. Does it, does anyone ever try the strategy of like breaking and slowing down enough to let somebody else pass, or at least get somebody else trapped in the blue shell vortex? Oh, absolutely. Well, actually, I think that sometimes even if you slow down and come in second, like once the blue shell is on its course, like it'll still hit you. Oh, it, but, it, oh, Mario Kart Eight, it does. I I tried that. I saw it coming because because it because on Mario Kart 8, for those who don't know, instead of flying through the air like all the other ones, it zips along the ground and it hits anybody who happens to get in its way on its way to blow up first place. So I had heard from the other two guys playing with us that it was coming, so I locked the brakes up, threw it in reverse, two people passed me, and it still blew me up. I was like, what the heck? You know, I actually read, I was doing my, my stream through Instagram the other day to see what was going on or just looking at new pictures and stuff. And I think I follow GameSpot and I think that they, one of their stories was that Mario Kart 8 has become the best selling racing game of all time, which isn't surprising considering they have Deluxe on the Switch and then there was a Wii U version. 
But, uh, you know, you had your, your people being like Forza 1's better. I mean, kind of two different styles of racing, but I don't even think, I mean, I don't think Mario Kart's the best kart racer there is. We all know my opinions on that. Crash Team Racing. But uh, no surprise there that it's the best-selling racing game of all time, because, God, who owns a Switch and doesn't own Mario Kart? Doesn't they even Mario came Kart. packed in with a lot of them, which yeah. I don't think should count as a sale, because you're not, it's a pack-in game, but. It's a, yeah, it's a free game. Whatever. Uh, but Guild, anything else besides Mario Kart? Uh, let's see, what else did we play? Uh, played some Ticket to Ride. Uh, also, so wait the, the board the board game or like a video game style one. The, the video game style where you use a phone or a tablet and the game plays on the on the TV and then you do your moves and collect your cards on your phone. You all should crack out some. Uh, have somebody buy ja- the Jackbox Party Packs. One of those. Oh, I've I've got see I've got the first three, and I think Homer may have a couple of them as well. Okay, well, because those those would be great games to play. Uh, we do sometimes do like Zoom calls with some of my friends who live down in Atlanta, and we'll play some of the Jackbox Party games with them just on a game night, which is a lot of fun. That would be fun. We I don't know if I tried that. Oh, I did try it with the Brain Seventy Six one time. We we played somewhere, you know. We both got online together and we're playing with another group of people, and he was streaming it. That wasn't bad. Uh, let's see what else have I played. So I've I've been playing some Enemy Front on the P- PlayStation Three. Finished out my uh, multiplayer trophies. So now I'm on to just playing the single player. Uh, played the Flame in the F- the Flame in the Flood, which I believe I said the last time that I was trying. To, uh, I survival games give me fits because I just don't know how to play them correctly. So. But this one isn't as hard as, like, Impact Winter. So I'm going to give it another go. It was kind of frustrating me a little bit. So I'll have to give I'll have to start it again. Uh, fired up the Final Station, which was a fun little game. Uh, Destroy All Humans 2. Fired it up Saturday, no, Friday night. And then I've also been playing a lot of Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands. and. World of Warship Legends, because Carriers came out. So I've been playing some Carriers. It's been a few weeks since you played that, so they must have had an update or something. They have. I mean, I've been playing it a little bit, but just, I'd hop on, get my daily crate, maybe work on, maybe run a couple of of games for my bureau, and then be like, okay, I'm done. But the latest update put Carriers in, officially. So I was like, well, let's give these Carriers a try. So, that's it. All right, and aside from our Rocket League Thursday night, I did play some Rocket League into the weekend, trying to finish out some of the weekly challenges. But I have been playing. I bought it, I think, I bought it Friday, I believe, or... Yeah, I bought it Friday. Started playing it yesterday. Uh, A game that Yield has previously platinum recently, I bought Spirit of the North, which is actually on sale for the spring sale. I got it for $8. Nice. Seemed like a a good deal, yeah. Yeah, So, so thoughts? So I actually saw this game in the store before you mentioned it uh, months ago, and like the first thing that I thought was like, "Oh my god, you get to play as a fox! This is great!" And so like the whole concept of just like going through a game as like playing as a fox was like the main impetus for me wanting to play the game because I don't know how many foxes I petted in Ghost of Tsushima, but I will tell you, I petted a lot of fucking foxes. Every chance I got, I was petting a fox at a fox den. So love, I I just love some foxes, some vulpines. Um, 
big fan of Vulpix from the Pokemon series. But yeah, so just being able to play as a fox, it may seem like a very silly thing, but like, there's not many games you could do that. And like, so the music in this game is great. Like from the title screen to just the, the rest of the game, like the music just kind of puts you in the perfect mood to play. It's like laid back. It gets you really well into the atmosphere. And so I really, really like that. Gameplay wise, I mean, I'm four chapters in and Yield, I don't know how you feel after playing the game. I'll, you know, I'll let you go on your little spiel here after I'm done. But gameplay, you know, it's it's not like super frantic. It's very laid back. It's, you know, mostly platforming and exploration. And you're kind of ferrying the spirit energy from one place to another to solve puzzles, to uh, to clear up these like plague tethers, which are, I guess, for lack of a better word, like plague, plaguing, kind of a nightmare on this land that you're in. It's never really specifically said where exactly you are. But, um, yeah, you're doing, just basically doing exploration, solving puzzles. There's no real combat to be said. You pick up a few powers along the way. And really your main goal is to basically pick up spirit energy from from some vessel and then take that spirit energy to something else and use it to open up a doorway or to free a lost soul that, you know, has previously passed away and maybe is trapped in the body. So I like the concept of the game. I like the fact that it's more laid back and I can just chill and play it and and not have to worry about intense, frantic combat. You know, I, I do like games like that, and especially with a good soundtrack. Like, it fits perfectly well in there. And again, like, the protagonist being a fox and the whole spirit energy concept. Like, it's, it, I, I enjoy it. The gameplay, the, the at least the, the world traversal and just the platforming, that can be very, very frustrating because it, it feels really unnatural. It feels really stiff. So, like, you may just may be able, not be able to make a jump because of a wall placement or, like, you're trying to jump over a crevice and, like, for some reason you hit a wall within the game and you bounce off or, like, it just feels like when you jump, your character, the fox, like, it, its body doesn't bend. It's almost like it's a pencil. And if you just hit one part of the, like, some piece of the environment, like, you bounce off and you, like, miss your jump and you got to run around and do it again. Did you did you have that problem at all yield with the platforming and feeling just really not great, like really imprecise. Yeah, I mean, the, like you said, the game looks beautiful, but there are some things like on on the walking or walking up a hill where he just kind of it doesn't feel natural. You're right with the jumping. You you when you're trying to jump a gap, you have to hit that right moment of right before you would were to walk off of it to clear the jump. So. Those were the only problems I had with the game, really. Other than that, I just enjoyed it for what it was. Like you said, it's a laid-back game, kind of relaxing, do what you want to do. My wife didn't like it because the, her big knock against the game was there was no text. There was no talking, no nothing. So, I mean, I, I kind of get she, that. And she, it, was, she was bummed because there was no like narrator telling you of how the story is going because it the developer says they leave it up to you to determine kind of the story of the game. So, I mean, I just enjoyed it for what it was. It looked cool. And yeah, I mean, so your character is a Fox, your Fox, this is not a talking Fox. So like the story plays out in front of your eyes and I guess you have to put more imagination and creativity into it, into thinking, you know, what's going through the mind of the, the Fox you're playing as, or what's going on around the world around you. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I get the her, understand her disappointment, but at the same time, it's like not every game has to be spelled out for you. There are some things where you can just watch the story and just kind of interpret it that way. I do. There, like, this is one of those games where I do definitely like to to take pictures. 
it doesn't have a photo mode or anything, but I do use the share button to take pictures and video in the game. So that is another aspect, like just the the look of the game and just, you know, there are a lot of very scenic places to take pictures and a lot of oh, great pictures you can snap at it. And just like I took video of the fox swimming through the water because the animation of the fox in the water, just the animation in general, aside from the jumping and platforming, the animation's great. And just seeing the fox like like doing a little like trot through the water, uh, like I for some reason I thought that that would be a great video. And it, so animation's solid all around when the fox is running, but once you get into the stage of climbing and having to jump, like that's when you know your fox goes from a a fox to more of like a, a piece of cardboard that just has is completely stiff. So. But I am enjoying it. It's it's a, uh, a shorter game, I believe. I think there's eight chapters yield. You can probably get through the game in maybe four or five hours. Yeah, if you're not exploring and just going from point A to point B, yeah, it sounds about right. But there also are things to collect, and, and trophies you're going to have to go... They do have a chapter select, so you can go through and mop up some trophies that way. I know that finding all of the shaman that are uh, returning their staffs to them and, and freeing their souls. That's something that I got to have to go back afterwards and do. Cause I've only found five so far and I'm in chapter four and I think there's a total of 28. So I'm going to have some after the game work cut out for me, but you know, as far as trophies go, it, it doesn't seem like the trophies are that hard and you can go back via chapter select. So you really can't miss anything. So yeah, I mean, it's, uh, like, like you said, it's not, I think the gameplay aspects of it, aspects of it aren't that great. It's more of a a game that you play for the experience as opposed to the finer details of the platforming, but an enjoyable experience so far with some really good music. So yeah, I'm enjoying the hell out of playing as a Fox. Awesome. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Cause I mean, I, I, I did when it was all said and done. I'm like, you know what? This was fun. And I, I, I think that's a high compliment that you can give to a game was when, when it was all said and done. Did you enjoy yourself? Yeah. And if you guys want to check that game out while it's still on sale, again, I think it's $8 on sale. I can't remember exactly how much it is, but I think it's more of a, a 50% cut to the normal price. So definitely worth picking up now. It's called Spirit of the North. And Yield, you and I, we're still gaming heavily on our PlayStation 4s, uh, but a lot of our audience may have already graduated to the PlayStation 5 if they could find a PlayStation find one. 5. Uh, this news coming from the PlayStation blog, and... The first big update for the PlayStation 5 is out. And this post comes from Hideki Nishino, the senior vice president platforming and planning, uh, uh, senior vice president of platforming, of platform planning and management. So uh, just a lot of bullet points I'm going to go through here as part of the, the biggest, the, the newest, I shouldn't say newest, the first big update for the PlayStation 5. Uh, so sorry, folks, going to be a lot of reading here. Let's see. Uh, the first category is PlayStation 5 storage expansion and management. Store PlayStation 5 games on compatible external USB drives. With this feature, you can now transfer your PS5 games to USB extended storage from your console's internal storage. It's a great way to extend the storage capabilities of your PS5 console, and you can seamlessly copy your PS5 games back to your console's internal storage when you're ready to play. It is faster to reinstall PlayStation 5 games from the USB extended storage than to re-download or copy them from a disc. Uh, because PlayStation 5 games are designed to take advantage of the console's ultra-high-speed SSD, the PlayStation 5 titles cannot be played from the USB external storage. PS5 titles can also, also cannot be directly downloaded to USB extended storage. However, games that you transfer or copy back to internal storage will be automatically uh, will automatically update when applicable. In addition, you can select which game modes you want to install, such as campaign or multiplayer, for select titles that support the option. The next category is social features and well, for PlayStation... Yes. Sir. So, sorry, not not to stop you. I'm I'm, I'm curious to this. So, and, and, and you you might not know, 
because I, I don't know if you clicked on the link or not. But, so, it, I understand why it doesn't run on the external and you have to re-download it to the main system. So, does that mean you would have to, in theory, would have to, if you want to pull something off your external to put it on your system, you're going to have to delete something off your system so you can... Make space. Make space? In, in theory, right? Well, I mean, yes, because once it comes off your USB storage, like, you're... I mean, you still have to have space for that. On it's not like it gets smaller or is compressed when it goes to the the PS5. It still has to have that space available for you to play the game or install it, even. So I I have to say I like this. I'm still waiting for them where you can put in a bigger hard drive into your system. But this is a step. So continue. Sorry, I just wanted to go on that little detour. Yeah, and I guess they don't want you to be able to play games straight from the USB, so that. You can't just take some USB stick somewhere and stick into your friend's console and play a game. Play it that way. Probably. Uh, next category is new social features for PS4 and PS5 consoles. Cross-generation share play. PS4 and PS5 players can now share play together while chatting in parties. This means PS5 console users can let their friends on PS4 consoles view their game screen or even try out the PS5 games through share play and vice versa. Options include the ability to share your screen with a friend, pass your controller virtually to a friend, or pass a second controller virtually to play co-op games together. So, I do like, because previously, you know, we didn't have the capabilities of, well, you have a PlayStation 3, you have a PlayStation 2, you in some way can communicate. It's one of the things that's nice about these newer generations is that we can still communicate with our friends. You know, even if I decide to stick on, hold on to my PlayStation 4 a little longer than Tricky... A, you know, he can still communicate with me and, you know, we can still party up via the PSN and not necessarily, you know, even though he's got it maybe playing on a PlayStation 5, so it's not necessarily console dependent, more on like the infrastructure dependent. And I do think that there's one nicer thing that's come out of the more recent consoles. There's also a request to join a game session. Uh, a selection of your friends' joinable game sessions will now appear on both PS5 and PS4 consoles, allowing for more gameplay opportunities together. The request to join option also serves as a shortcut to send in a game invite, reducing the time it takes for you to get to, into games with friends. Through the privacy settings menu, you can modify who can interact with you through parties, games, and messages. Uh, enhanced con uh, Next category is Enhanced Control and Personalization Options for PS5 Consoles. Improved game base. The game base menu has been improved for quicker access to important content and features. You can now easily switch between parties and friends to start chatting with your existing parties or see what each of your online friends is up to. In addition, you can turn notifications on or off for each of the parties you're in. Disable chat or adjust player's volume. You can now quickly disable in-game chat, which turns off your mic and audio, your mic audio and the voice audio of other players. Additionally, you can easily adjust the individual voice chat volume of other players in the same chat, so you don't have to ask your friends to lower or increase their mic volume each time. Game update pre-download. Once it's enabled by developers, title updates for games will pre-download to your console if the automatic updates setting is enabled on your console and is in, is on or in rest mode. This will let you start playing the latest version of the game immediately after the game's update's release. Which will be nice, since I was trying to get on Rocket League the other day, for Thursday night, and it took me a little bit extra time to get on there, because I had to upload, or I only had to up, or download software updates for the PS5, but all, or sorry, the PS4, but also for Rocket League. Customize your gamer, game library with the ability to hide games from view. It's now easier to find content and personalize your view of your game library. Screen zoom. You can now adjust the magnification of the screen to suit your preference from the settings menu. New trophy settings and stats screen. 
The level of trophies that results in automatic capture of a screenshot or video clip can now be customized. So you can now choose to only capture and save images, videos of moments uh, when you earn higher grade trophies like gold or platinum. We're also introducing a new player trophy stats screen where you can check out the summary of your trophy level and status at a glance. Uh, they've also got some new features here, updated features for the PlayStation app, but we won't go into those. So that is basically the wrap-up for the first big update for the PlayStation 5. Yo, is there anything in there that you felt was like game-changing as far as the PlayStation 5 goes, or just stuff you feel like was just necessary and just kind of, I don't know, ticks some boxes? Not necessarily huge, but was something that they basically just needed to do. Uh, I think the external storage... I mean, I know they said it was going to come, but I'm glad they took care of it now instead of constantly just kind of, well, it's come and trust us. You know, you, you made a point of emphasis to say that when before as you were getting ready to launch the, the system that it's coming. You're just not going to have it day one. And I think with the four, they kind of did that, but they just kept getting delayed, getting delayed, getting delayed. So I'm glad they took care of that right away. Um, the social features is kind of nice, especially the cross-play and being able to uh, play co-op games together, being able, hey, I want you to help me with this. I know you don't have a five, but, you know, you can you can still help with that. I think that's kind of cool. Um, the, the enhanced controllers, all that stuff, I think that's just kind of, it's nifty. I don't really think it's anything that's game-changing or needed to be done. But yeah, like being I, I think all in all for for a first major update, I think it's a good one. Yeah, it seems like they got one big headline in there, which was the support for external storage or external USB devices and, you know, smaller things like, hey, you can now choose whether the game takes a photo of your only your bronze trophies or only your silver trophies or, you know, silver and gold. So lots of smaller stuff in here. But I mean, overall, it seems like they got out one of the things they've been promising now, like you said, let's hope that in the future there we're better able to manage our internal storage because after a while, I don't care how big of a uh, a hard drive you have, after years and years of playing on a console and buying so many games, that's just going to fill up and you got to have better options than just, hey, a USB external device that you know you can't play games directly off of. They got to find another a better solution for that and is you know basically allowing people to uh, replace those drives so they can get more space in there. Absolutely. Well, it it seems like we're not going to be devoting any more space to The Last of Us Part 2, at least not in regards to DLC. This story comes from ScreenRant.com. It's written by Victoria Kennedy. Uh, And, quote, There have been reports that The Last of Us Part 2 DLC was in the works with Naughty Dog, but apparently it is no longer happening. A DLC for The Last of Us Part 2 has has been a high on fans' wish list since the game first released last year, along with additional multiplayer component for the award-winning game. Naughty Dog and its Last of Us series have been making multiple headlines this week, along with new casting announcements for the HBO adaptation of the original game. A new report also came out from Bluebird Station Shire, which highlighted several changes within uh, work within the working dynamics at Sony. Including this report was the news that a PlayStation 5 remake of The Last of Us was in development, along with another game in Naughty Dog's equally prolific Uncharted series. However, it now appears that the alleged Uncharted game is no longer happening, and unfortunately, it appears that the same fate has befallen a previously undisclosed Last of Us Part Two DLC. So, Yield, I mean, this article on Screen Rant makes it seem like people were really 
thirsting for more content from The Last of Us Part Two. And I understand, you know, if they're like, hey, in the far-flung future, let's play another Last of Us game. That'd, that'd be great. You know, it seems like they're certainly going to continue on with a certain story. They they kind of set their path there at the end of the second game. And, you know, it we're, we may see a course shift in, for the next game, but we, we can almost guarantee where we're heading with that. But I don't know. Uncharted, or The Last of Us Part Two, you didn't play it, Yield, but for me, like, that was a game that just sapped me emotionally. Like, if, if it, more so than any other game I played, it sucked all the emotion, just all my energy out. And even, even before I got to, you know, the halfway point in that game, I was, I was spent. So even having to go through, you know, the second half of the game, it's like, oh my god, this is, this, this is just dragging me through the ringer here. Do you, I mean... Do you feel like people want more content from The Last of Us Part Two, and not just because the, you know, the game has detractor, detractors and people weren't happy about things, decisions that were made with the story and the characters, but, I don't know, after playing The Last of Us, like, I felt like it was a bigger game than I expected, a, a, a bigger game than I expected, and I, I don't know, I, I don't feel like I needed more content, you know, like, something like the Left Behind DLC that we got for the original Last of Us, I, I don't know, I... I just don't know if there's, like, it, I don't know, Yield, I'm rambling. What, what do you think? So, I think us as gamers have gotten to the point of games that we really, really like. They've, they've given us DLC, whether, whether it's story, multiplayer, something. So anymore, when a game comes out, if it's really loved, really reviewed, naturally everybody wants more, more of it. I was okay, believe it or not, when The Last of Us, when I was done with it, I was okay. I don't need uh, Left Behind. It was nice to have filled in a little bit of a gap because there were nods to it in the story that you're like, what are they talking about? You know, and then when Left Behind come out, oh, these are the nods that they kept making not that it was a, a super a lot, but there were a few nods that were made, and you're like, oh, now this makes sense. So, I mean, I was okay with that. Um, But when I rolled credits, I was good. And they could have never have made a Last of Us 2, and I'd have been perfectly okay with it. Loved, loved what I played, enjoyed the experience. You know, I'm... I have gotten to the point of my, uh, I guess, gaming career that, you know, I I enjoy, like I said, I enjoy the experience for the first time through. And I, I can see in the story whether, you know, well, it can end here and everything's fine, or we've left ourselves openings to where we can write a second game. So, so yeah, I hope that explained things. Um, I, I was kind of stumbling over myself earlier. I, just, I couldn't find the exact things I wanted to say, but I guess the, the easiest way to put it was I was spent by the end of The Last of Us Part Two, And even before the end, before the credits rolled, it was just like, my God, it's just dragged me through hell for the past 30, 32 hours. It, like we've talked about, they set out to tell a specific story and they succeeded in telling a very emotional story that just cut so deep. And whether you liked it or not, it elicited a reaction from you. But by the end of that game, yes, I played through it again because 
to mop up some trophies. And I wanted to get those done before Ghost of Tsushima came out. But this was a game that you could play through the entire story and once you were done, put down the controller and walk away and never have anything else released for that game and you'd be fine. Like, I don't even, at this point, they don't even need a multiplayer part for this game. Work on The Last of Us Part 3. We know it's coming because Last of Us Part 2 did so well. Just, just, there needs to be no other content for this game and everyone, and I feel like, and you know, if you're listening and you disagree with me, Feel free to tell me, but emotionally, after the story we just went through, you could walk away from this game and feel like, I'm done. I don't need any more. Maybe a sequel in the future, but as far as this installment goes, it's wrapped up. I'm good. And I, and I, and I think we as gamers should be more willing to accept that. And as developers, instead of giving in to that, sometimes go... This is what we were set set to do, and we did it. Now, if they were planning on doing additional DLC for it, maybe it turned out to be like Lost Legacy, where, hey, we planned to do this, and as the ball got going and the story they wanted to tell, it was, you know what? This is just a whole new game. So instead of going through that fiasco of what they did with Uncharted 4 into Lost Legacy, we'll just scrap the thought of doing DLC now and we'll just focus on whatever we're doing next. And I'm just spitballing. I could totally be wrong. Well, and for a lot of people, once they were finished with games like Uncharted, sorry, Uncharted, like The Last of Us Part Two and Goshima, they set their eyes on the PlayStation 5, and they were ready to go, they were ready to upgrade day one. Now, of course, Yield and I have not been able to procure one, because they've been I haven't even seen one in stores, I don't think. They've been really scarce. I mean, you, I haven't seen a, a Switch in stores at all, either. And Really? You know, I Now, I have seen those in stores. Hmm. Yeah, I, well, you're... Some if anyone's looking for a Switch, go to, go to Ohio. Some, go to the suburbs of Columbus, because... That's where they're all hiding out. But surely, like, this this fervor for, for PlayStation 5s and people, you know, checking, like, feverishly watching Twitter and seeing when they're restocked and then, you know, going to the stores as soon as possible, that it is all feeding into this, that uh, recent article here on IGN, PlayStation 5 breaks another huge U.S. sales record. So this article is written by Adam Bankhurst, and it is based on information from the MPD group's Matt Piscatella, and let me get Matt's credentials here, the executive director and video game industry advisor for the NPD group. So on Twitter, he shared some stats, and they were, uh, Adam from IGN brought them all together, lassoed them all. Uh, the, the important thing we want to talk about here, we're not going to talk about all the NPD re- results because that's just way too many numbers and just gets way too boring, but the key here is that in the first five months on the market, the PlayStation 5 has become the fastest-selling console in U.S. history in both unit and dollar sales. Uh, as revealed by the NPD Group's Matt Pescatella, this news arrives one month after the PS5 became the fastest-selling console in U.S. history in dollar sales. Despite that new record, the Nintendo Switch has continued to reign as the best-selling hardware platform in both units and dollar sales during March 2021. However, the PS5 did rank first in hardware dollar sales in Q1 2021. So we did talk about previously how, yes, by dollar sales, the PlayStation 5 was the best-selling console 
in, well, in also, U.S. history, but it was it's also you know, more expensive. We did talk about the cost of that, but like even despite scarcity, you know, it was able to break a like a new record via unit measure, which is impressive. Think how how well they could do if they just were able to get them on store shelves. Like if everybody who wanted a PlayStation Five could buy them now, imagine like how like the numbers that they could put up. Well, well, they put up incredible numbers. So, as much as they said COVID didn't affect production, it had to have. But then you've got this whole superconductor issue that's affecting everything. Didn't your Didn't your brother put out a Was it you or your brother that put out a conspiracy theory? It was It was Homer, wasn't I, it? I think it was Homer who put out a, a conspiracy theory. But I mean, kind of makes sense. Supply and demand. Demand's high, and we'll just trickle out supply but i don't know I mean, man it's not it's not like the you know the mcrib where you make it available for some time and then you take it off shelves and then people are like oh my god i'm i'm just dying for mcrib you know three months later and that kind of stokes the fires because with a new console you know someone may want to buy a new console they may want to graduate to you know maybe they have a playstation 4 and they, you know they want to buy a playstation 5 but they go to the store and it's not there but they see an xbox or they see a switch you know, granted, there are a lot of people out there that would be like, nope, they're diehard. I'm going to buy a PlayStation 5 and nothing else. But if you can make money now, if you can produce the hardware and get it in store shelves and get more people to buy your software, because think about it. How many games, like, they put out all these games, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and you've got Ratchet and Clank coming up. And, like, that, those are just examples of one game that's been out and one game that's coming up. But think of all these games that have been released for the PlayStation 5. And how many more, much more money they can make off of that if they just had more consoles out there and there were more people to buy software. So yes, maybe the idea that, oh, we hold back, you know, stuff to, you know, keep the demand high, but also you're missing out on software sales that necessarily people may not go back and buy, you know, like say a, a Demon Souls remake. They may not go back and buy that game or, um, oh, Godfall. People may just completely yeah, forgot about Godfall. Godfall and never go back and buy that. So for the sake of your launch titles and games that come out in the first six months of your console's launch, wouldn't you want as many people as possible to be able to buy that to pump up the software numbers and the money make up for that? Well, so, not only that, but games that are dependent on online multiplayer, you are extremely limiting your player base because you don't have the hardware to play that game. So by the time you get more demand out there for people like me and you... Everybody else has been like, I've moved on. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, I don't believe in the, the whole conspiracy theory, but I did find your brother's post is from Thursday. Anyone else seen a correlation between Sony continuing to support the PS4 with new games and the lack of PlayStation 5 consoles? A casual observer might blame the semiconductor shortage. That's us, Yield. We're casual yeah. observers. But I believe something far more sinister is at play here, people. So I guess that your brother thinks that them making games to the PlayStation 4 is preventing them from releasing PlayStation 5 consoles? Uh, could be. Well, you know, and I have said on previous shows that a lot of the games that they were pumping out for the 5, because you remember the state of plays, and, ooh, that game looks interesting. You know, we talked about it. That game looks interesting. That game looks interesting. And then by the end of the week of that same state of play, or the following week, they're like, oh, this one, this one, this one, and this one are all available on the four as well. And I was like, man, it's smart, but it's also not smart. I mean, now it, it seems really smart because you can't get a hold of a five. So if you really wanted to play that game, 
you can get it for the four. But demand would be even crazy high if you really want to play that game and you can only get it for the five. So. Uh, see, I think that Sony is doing every. I mean, yes, they're still supporting the PlayStation 4, but I think that they are doing pretty much everything they can without, you know, straight shoving a PlayStation 5 into all of our, our carts, our online baskets, or our physical shopping carts. They're doing everything they can to get people to step up to the next console and buy a PlayStation 5, because that's that's where most of their support is going. So, I mean, we talked about, you know, in previous weeks, how the, they're shutting down the stores for the PlayStation 3 and the, the Vita and the PSP, and that's probably because they want to focus more on the PS4 and the PS5, but more importantly on the PS5, because that's where they want their support to be, because that's the console they're supporting, or their newest console, their most cutting-edge high-tech console. So they want people there. They want their dollars there. They want their hands there. They want their eyes there. That's where they want it. So I, I can't see Sony holding back to support the PlayStation 4 at the expense of the PS5. I think it's just an issue of there's hardware. One, it's hard to find a console in general, but you know through most console launches. But in general with this one, I think it's just parts and pieces to the PlayStation 5 that they just cannot get. You know, and other things that a global pandemic might be affecting, like the ability to have a labor force that may not be able to work or may not want to work, so. We'll just have to wait and see how this all shakes out. Well, for a second there, I wasn't sure if you were still there, Hugh. <laughs> I was trying to think about what, how I was gonna, what I was going to say next. But we do know the way forward for Ubisoft as they have announced the Ubisoft Forward E3 2021 conference. This comes from IGN.com and Matt Perslow. So basically, the presentation that's going to be taking part of E3 2021, uh, its summer digital conference for Ubisoft, is going to happen June 12th at 12 p.m. PST. Uh, The digital conference will take place on Saturday, June 12th, starting at 12 p.m. PT. Now, we don't have anything else to go on besides the date and time. We do know it'll be part of the E3 conference, so you would presume that Ubisoft is going to bring out quite a big, quite a few of you know the big guns. They may talk about updates for some of their previous release games, but you know this is a prime opportunity for them to show us what is going to you know what we're going to look forward to in the year to come from Ubisoft 2021 and into 2022. So, um, IGN uh, and Matt Persler they remarked that uh, Ubisoft last year at their Ford events. We, uh, you know, detailed looks at Assassin's Creed, Valhalla, and Watchdog Legions, and other stuff on Immortals Phoenix Rising. But uh, as far as what we we know about the, but that has not been released yet, uh, IGN and or, uh, Matt does say that Far Cry Six is in the works and Rainbow Six Quarantine, or potentially Rainbow Six Parasite, March, whatever they want to call it. Those are in the works, so those potentially are ripe for the picking. Those you would assume, considering that Far Cry and Rainbow Six, those are huge franchises for Ubisoft that they will be there in some capacity, especially since... Should, the, should, should be, yeah. Uh, other games that were, were dropped there by IGN, name-dropped, were Skull and Bones and Beyond Good and Evil 2. Now, they don't really seem to have any information on this, but just maybe just hopeful that we'll see finally get an update on these games, because Matt ended that sentence with a question mark, so... Who knows? Well, the I, I know the early trailer for Beyond Good and Evil 2 looked really interesting. And I know that they kind of said that this was all uh, 
I don't even know if it was alpha. But anyway, I know it was really early in the process that they just wanted to let people know, hey, we are working on we are working on another Beyond Good and Evil. This is what we've got so far. It may change. And it was like, oh, that looks really good. Uh, Skull and Bones, we've talked about it before. I, it's it's kind of dead to me, as excited as I was before. You really got to jaw drop something to hook me back in. Yeah, I mean, as I said, Matt, you know, ha- included a, a a question mark at the end of his sentence when he talked about Skull and Bones and, and Beyond Good and Evil, because we just don't know at this point. Like, we're hopeful, but who knows if we'll ever, ever see them. With the PlayStation Store, clo- the PlayStation 3 store closing, and Beyond Good and Evil HD becoming, you know, in, in all intents and purposes, a Xbox exclusive, it would be if they were, you know, if we do get Beyond Good and Evil 2, it would be a nice opportunity for Ubisoft to release Beyond Good and Evil HD alongside of it. Like, maybe you buy the game, you get a download code, or they actually, you know, with a physical pack-in, a physical copy of the disc, they physically pack in, you know, Beyond Good and Evil HD in there, or maybe they just put it, you know, again, download code in there. But that would be a great opportunity for, to, you know, if... PlayStation owners can no longer play that game unless they own a PlayStation 3. It'd be a great way to reintroduce people to Beyond Good and Evil, have them play through the... Because at this point, there may be people that never played that game. I didn't play Beyond Good and Evil until the HD version came out, and I got it on the 3, and I played through it. So it'd be great if they were like, hey guys, we're finally going to show you Beyond Good and Evil 2, and here's some gameplay, and also, just so you know, it comes with Beyond the original Beyond Good and Evil. So... I think that'd be a, a great thing for the press conference. It's certainly getting them a lot of positive press and get a lot of, you know, gamers talking. Because with Ubisoft, look at how excited people were about Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the, the video game. By all intents and purposes, not a huge game. But the fact that it had been, you know, taken off stores and it was now being put back on stores and people could buy it again, people freaked out. I mean, I understand it was a popular game. So people went nuts for it. And I, I think that even just saying something as simple as like Beyond Good and Evil is coming back and you can play the original game by buying the second game. So you get two games for one price. Like, I think that would make a lot of people happy. Oh, that, yeah, that'd be a good hook. Well, especially since, I mean, people are eternally hopeful for beyond good and evil too. I almost am at this point. Like if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I enjoyed beyond good and evil HD, but I wouldn't say it was one of my favorite games ever. Uh, if that series, I hate to say this, but that series for my own personal interest, like if it just went away and they never mentioned anything again, I wouldn't be hurt by it. But for the people who do love Beyond Good and Evil, I would definitely love to see that come out for them. But I think that it's been so long and people have gotten like, may still be hopeful, but I think that they've gotten just, it's been so goddamn long. And I think people are just at this point, they're really pessimistic about it. It's like, that, like how, how do we have faith that this game is going to come out when you never mention it and you've had all these years to get it out? Like it doesn't take, you know. 20 years to put out a, a Beyond Good and Evil sequel. I don't know. So I think that... It's the Dick Dick of Forever Syndrome! I think that finally revealing Beyond Good and Evil 2 and a date and just saying, hey, you could play the original game with it, I think that would bring the house down. Like, I think that people would probably be talking about that more than anything else Ubisoft could talk about. Well, especially if you don't have a new updated trailer or anything like that. Yeah, you, you've got... Doing something just this day and age, coming out and going, hey, look, we're still working on it. You, you got to give them something. You got to feed them something. So like you said, if you were to come out and be, and if you didn't have any trailer or anything, you just come out and be like, hey, we're still working on it. 
But here's 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 the bit of news. I know the game pre-order the game and you get the HD for the five as well. And yeah, you create all kinds of buzz for it. or come out and go, hey, we're shooting for quarter four, 2022. Yeah, that, that that would get a buzz. Get you a little ho- hopeful. Hopeful. Don't, don't set a firm date. We're shooting for this. Gives you an out when you don't make it. I know they're still doing DLC for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but do you think we get any hints about the next Assassin's Creed game? See, Valhalla came out when? Last year? Was it... It might have been 2009... Was it 2020 or 2019? What, what Was it before the launch of the 5? Because I know you can get it on the 5. Or was it kind of co... Cohen's Actually, it was November. It was November tenth, twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Okay, so it was at the same time the five or the five and the Xbox launch. So it could be they're on what a two year cycle. Yeah, but as I say, as, as you say that, I also even though I brought the question to the table, because you never know. But if they are still you know working on DLC for Valhalla, you don't necessarily want to take the attention of Valhalla by letting people know that there's another Assassin's Creed coming out and it's going to be set in this timeline. I think they would be wise to wait another year. Yeah, give it, give Assassin's Creed Valhalla the more breathing room because apparently, you know, people seem to like it quite a bit and, you know, we're only six months out since it's released, so. Well, I mean, er- everybody was getting upset of how it was every year, every, almost every other year, there was a new Assassin's Creed. Well, it was every year for a while because they had two studios doing it. And then, so they they backed off, and then, uh, so what we we've had, what what was before Origins, or was Origins first, and there was one after that, and then Odyssey. Valhalla. Odyssey came after Odyssey. Origins. So we had Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla. To my, because I I haven't gotten into the series yet, but from what I can recall, those got a lot of buzz, and people really liked them. And I think it was because they, instead of pumping them out, instead of worrying about getting them out so quickly, we made a good game. And don't take that as meaning that I think the other games were crap. I think Alex knows where I'm going with this. You made a more substantial game by taking longer to develop it instead of pumping it out year after year. And therefore, the fans came back to it. You know, the, that makes sense. Did, yeah, did I say it right? You did. I also got to say okay. that you know it's one of those things like where this is like this seems like your Assassin's Creed is my Doctor Who, and that if you haven't done it by now, you're probably not going to play through it because unless you start somewhere in the middle, there's just too many damn Assassin's Creed games for you to start and then get through. Probably, I do have the Ezio collection. I am going to get through that, and I have. Uh, Origins. I was able to grab Origins at a garage sale. So, I mean, I, I'm going to start playing them because it, it it sounds like fun. I just wasn't on the Assassin's Creed train to begin with because I was one of those gamers. Another one? We haven't even let the first one digest yet. Well, I mean, you look at a series like Ratchet & Clank, which we're getting another Ratchet & Clank game ripped apart on June 11th. In the early days, you know, the first three Ratchet & Clanks were released year after year after year. And 
you know, so they, they did that whole every year strategy for Ratchet and Clank. But, you know, and, you know, even with Tools of Destruction, I think Tools of Destruction came out and I think Quest for Booty was released, you know, it was like a smaller, much smaller downloadable game that, you know, was independent kind of Tools for Destruction, but was still within that universe. I think that came out relatively, I think that came out within a year of Tools of Destruction. That, that, that was kind of an, uh, of, uh, of an hors d'oeuvre to get you to the next one. But I think that they've done a good job of managing Ratchet and Clank because all these years later, people still get excited about Ratchet and Clank games. And while they initially started on the year after year basis, they've done a much better job about spreading those games out. And as you've seen, like a lot of games at this point, people say, oh, that that franchise just needs to go by the wayside. That mascot needs to go to the grinder. You know, people just don't like Sonic anymore these days or a lot of people will get annoyed by Sonic. Or maybe it's just that his games are crap. But Ratchet & Clank is not really one of those game series. It's managed to survive and thrive all these years. And I, you know, it's... The writing helps. The writing does help. Not that there hasn't been, been, you know, lackluster Ratchet & Clank games, but they have avoided that sense of, we're just getting too many of these games too often. Ubisoft, you know, for a while there was foot to the pedal with Assassin's Creed, but... After a time, they backed off and they focused more on quality. And for the, it seems like the more recent games have been viewed very positively. And you know, in general, all the Assassin's Creed games to be of pretty high quality. They put a lot of research into them, and you know, they huge teams work on these games. So, yeah, I don't really think you could point to you know quality as an issue. I think there's just only so much Assassin's Creed people can play. I mean, you think about it, you get through that game, you know within maybe a month or two months. I mean, but do you really want to play an Assassin's Creed game every single fall? I mean, that's, Ubisoft has gotten a lot better about that, at giving, have. giving that franchise room to breathe. You, hey, you want to know what franchise could come back to, to breathing? What's that, Yield? Sly Cooper. It has been a while since Sanzaru put out Sly Cooper 4. I don't know. That's That may be in every other cycle thing like in every other generation thing but we saw you know i shared on the the torfiores facebook group a report from GameSpot that says that naughty dog has no future plans right now for jack and daxter or at least have no games or ideas in the works so you know we can at least be grateful that sly cooper did make it off of the two and he did have a game on the playstation 3 whereas you can't really say that about jack and daxter i think jack nope. x combat racing was on the playstation 2 but for the most part that that series and when Naughty Dog graduated to Uncharted and The Last of Us, that series kind of got left behind. So, I mean, I would like to play another Sly Cooper game. I think it's been long enough because it was 2012, 2013? The Sly Cooper Thieves in Time came out? Something like that because when we had the Trophy War, I played through the Sly Collection on the Vita and then went and picked up Sly 4 at the store, because I'm like, oh, wow, this series is amazing. It is. It is quite amazing. Uh, the release date for Sly Cooper Thieves in Time was February 5th of 2013. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's eight years ago. It's more than eight years. That, that game does not seem that old, but then again, every day I, I hear about something being so old and it freaks me out, because I'm getting old. But it, it, it does make it seem, yeah. Well... We just, you know, focused a little bit on Ubisoft Forward and what potentially might come in the future. But let's look a little bit back to Ubisoft's past. This IGN.com report written by Wesley LeBlanc, the title is 
Some classic Ubisoft games will lose multiplayer later this year. So, quote, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Vegas, Rainbow Six Vegas 2, Rainbow Six Lockdown, and Ghost Recon Future Soldier will lose multiplayer and online support across all platforms on an unspecified date this year. On June 1st, eight games including Assassin's Creed 2, Far Cry 2, and Splinter Cell Conviction will see online support shut down on PC specifically. The quote from uh, from Ubisoft's forums reads, We are constantly seeking, constantly assessing what's needed to deliver the best possible online services for Ubisoft's customers. The Ubisoft forums post about the company's master multiplayer shutdown list reads, Shutting, down service, shutting the services for smaller games with smaller online audiences is a necessary part of this process since it allows our IT and service staff to better focus on delivering great online experiences to the vast majority of customers who are playing newer, more popular titles. Uh, the entire list of PC games, uh, so in quote, uh, the entire list, and this goes back to the IGN article, uh, the writing, the entire list of PC games losing online functionality on June 1st, Assassin's Creed 2, Prince of Persia, Forgotten Sands, Far Cry 2, Anno 1404, Might and Magic, Clash of Heroes, Splinter Cell Conviction, The Settler 7, and Might and Magic X Legacy. So, this, I include this more so, uh, heads up, if you've been playing any of these games, your online and multiplayer support is going away. But more so is, we talked about, you know, PlayStation setting down the stores on the, the Vita, the PSP, and the 3. And we talk about, from time to time, servers shutting down for certain games. And, you know, we can, we can, we theorize why that is. But, I mean, Ubisoft's kind of reasoning there is like, hey, there's just not enough support for these games anymore. And I am shocked that the servers for Assassin's Creed 2 and Far Cry 2 were still open. Like that, people were still playing those games multiplayer style or or online at all. Well, I know, that, I know if you if uh, I know Far Cry Two, which God bless you if you can get through that game. Um, I know for the PlayStation Three wise, I know there are still people trying to boost the online trophies because I see that on uh, PSN profiles. People are still setting up. I mean, recently still setting up people, you know, or, or setting up gamer nights looking for people to, hey, let's boost this. Let's work on this. So I'm like, wow, I thought that, like you said, I thought that one was long done. Oh, it just goes to show you that if you've ever wondered why the servers for your game are shutting down and online support is going away, that's probably your answer. The blanket answer is probably, like, we want to focus on things that are need more support right now. So, All right, well, Yield... That is going to finish up our topics for the most part, but we do have one big topic that I kind of wanted to say for the topic of the week, and that is recent comments by the creative director and writer of Days Gone. Uh, that is, uh, the name of that gentleman is Jason Garvin. Jason was recently on David Jaffe's YouTube show, and he had some very interesting comments. I, I Not surprising, really, but definitely something that would cause quite a bit of chatter on the internet. This I didn't have a chance to listen to the YouTube show yet. I was actually going to listen to it, but it's, I think, four hours long. I don't know if the episode or just the interview is that long, but I haven't had a chance to listen to that it yet. But important, but fortunately, VideoGamesChronicle.com has picked out some of the more choice quotes from that. Uh, the headline for this article, uh, written by Chris Scullion, Days Gone Lead says, Don't complain if there's no sequel if you didn't buy it full price. 
Jason Garvin was speak uh, quote Jason Garvin was speaking to game designer Dave Jaffe on Jaffe's YouTube show where he was asked if he'd heard anything about any meaningful uptick of engagement with Days Gone since the game was added to the PlayStation Plus collection on PS5. And this is a quote from Garvin quote I do not have I do have an opinion on something that your audience might find of interest and it might piss some of them off. Garvin replied, if you love a game, buy it fucking full price. I can't tell you how many times I've seen gamers say, yeah, I got that on sale. I got it through PS Plus, whatever. But how do you know you will love a game? Uh, this is Jaffe. Quote, how do you know you will love a game until you've played it? Back to Garvin. Quote, I'm just saying you don't, but don't complain if a game doesn't get a sequel if it wasn't supported at launch, Garvin replied. It's like God of War got whatever number of millions of sales at launch and, you know, Days Gone didn't. I'm just speaking for me personally as a developer. I don't work for Sony. I don't know what the numbers are. I can tell you that when we were doing Siphon Filter, Dark Mirror, um, we got so we got so fucked on Dark Mirror because piracy was a thing, and Sony didn't really wasn't really caught up on what piracy was doing to sales. And we would show them torrents, and torrent site had two hundred thousand copies of Dark Mirror being downloaded. If I remember right, the numbers could be wrong, but regardless, I was pissed about it then, and I was like, "This is out of this is money out of my pocket." So I think an uptick in engagement with the game is not as important as did you buy the game at full price? Because if you did, then it's, that's supporting the developer directly. So that's the end of the quote. Um, I understand why Garvin would be pissed. Like, first of all, going out and just torrenting a game, that's stealing. Don't do that shit. How do you feel yield about his comments about buying the game full price? Because we're obviously against stealing the game. But he also brought into the fold, you know, waiting for it to come on PlayStation Plus, or waiting for it to go on sale. How do you feel about that? So I honestly, I can see both sides of, of of this of this coin, both sides of the fence, because I I am one of those guys that if I couldn't get to it, you you may be the quintessential pro, yeah, the prototype it, for that that mindset. If I can't get to it the day it launches, because there's already another game higher on my horizon or I forgot about it, I am your bargain bin shopper. Hey, I'm, I'm sure there ain't a listener out there that won't tell me, you know, hey, we, we spent a lot of money on this. So if I could pick up a really good game on the cheap because I wasn't into it, I'm, I'm going to do it. Uh, but I, I am the one that supported Days Gone when it came out. I was sold. Shut up. Here's my money. So I understand his, I understand Garvin's point of if we'd have had the huge sales at launch, this probably wouldn't even be a discussion, but we didn't. And now it's on plus. So having an uptick in it now, kind of, kind of, it seems like in his mind, doesn't amount to a hill of beans because... As it's been reported, they're off doing something else now. Also, in their studio was shuttered to go do other things, if you believe that report. I, so, so for me, I haven't even downloaded Days Gone or any of the free games for April yet. I, I plan to, but this was a game I didn't buy it at first because it didn't... It, it didn't hook you. It didn't interest me, really. I mean, I went out and bought Horizon the first day it was available. I went out and bought... The Last of Us Part Two, first day was out. I was there for you know to pay sixty bucks for Ghost of Tsushima. So I am not against paying full price for a game that I want to play. I bought Crash Team Racing first day. I bought Crash 
Well, I, I waited for Crash 4 to go on sale to buy that. But for the most part, like, if there's a game I really want to play, if there's a game I'm excited for, if I had a PlayStation 5, I would buy Ratchet & Clank first day. If I had a PlayStation 5, I would buy Returnal first day because I really want to play those games. For me, and it's a case-by-case basis, I just didn't want to play Days Gone. And even now, like, obviously, I bought Spirit of the North, and I've been playing a lot of Rocket League, and, you know, on the Switch, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. It's just not a game that has... I'm excited to play, really. Like, if I can download it for free and try it later, who knows? Maybe Or maybe I'll just download it or add it to my library and never play it. So, for some people, like you, you wanted to play it, you bought it right away. For me, I didn't play it. I didn't want to play it, really, so I wasn't willing to spend 60 bucks on it. But there are games I'm willing to spend 60 bucks on. As far as the, the the discounts and the PS Plus instant game collection, those arguments, in some way, hasn't Sony, haven't Sony in the video game industry done this to themselves? So you look at the Steam sales and how how deeply discounted those are, and how you know you don't get a summer sale all the time. You only get it obviously during the summer, but they you know Steam runs the regular sales, and in that kind of business model, you start to see Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft running more and more sales, like Sony like. You know, Microsoft has its Game Pass where you pay a certain amount of money and you get just access to a collection of games. PlayStation Plus now, or PlayStation Now, you pay, basically like you pay a fee and you get a buffet of games. Maybe not necessarily the newest and greatest games, but you can pay a subscription fee to get access to all these games. You pay, you know, as part of their PlayStation Plus as a way to monetize online when, you know, they saw what Microsoft was doing with Xbox Live, they wanted to obviously monetize their online service too. There's regular sales, and some of these games for PlayStation Plus members are deep, more deeply discounted or even free. We have the Instant Game Collection every month. You know, Nintendo's got their own online services, and, you know, they run frequent sales too. So, by running all these constant sales and, and looking to sell, and, like, cutting down the price of certain games, like, I got, uh, you know, a month or so after Crash Bandicoot 4 was released, I got that game for under 40 bucks. By running all these constant sales and trying to, you know, drive that software sales growth, has the industry not done this to itself? Have, have these platform holders and publishers not done this to themselves? Where these games are, you know, consistently either, there's consistently either free games in our face or discounted games that why wouldn't we as the consumers say, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. Like, if I can save more money and spend that money elsewhere, like on my house or whatnot, or I can buy more games, maybe... You know, maybe I can buy one sixty dollar game a month, or I could wait till it goes on sale and buy three games this month. As I don't, I can wait till Black Friday and get two or three. So I understand why Garvin, you know, seems pissed when he's saying this, and I completely understand because the game isn't going to get a sequel, most likely, at least not in in, in the near near term. Sony has it deemed, doesn't seem like Sony it. has deemed that not an avenue they want to go down because they just didn't see Days Gone as enough of a success to warrant a sequel, but. I mean, telling people, you know, hey, support the game. Like, yes, I want to support developers. I want to support publishers. I want to support Sony. I want to support Nintendo. But let's be honest about this. Sony and Nintendo find themselves in this position. Like, I I remember something about, like, Nintendo talking about the devaluation of games where you make games free on the App Store. Like, it was was specifically, like, iPhone games and mobile games, how that would kind of devalue games because people could pick up, like, cheap games on their phone or free games with, you know, ads, or free games with in-game purchases, in-app purchases, and how that devalues games. So, with all these sales and lower-priced games, like, the video game industry, it would seem yield, as a whole, has done this to itself, where, especially with something like PlayStation Plus, where it's like, we are trained now to be like, 
Especially, you know, you look at the situa- situation with Maneater, where Maneater went on sale, and then they released it for PlayStation Plus for free, like, two or weeks later or something like that, or a week later. And then they had to give yeah. people refunds. Like, as, are we as, not, as consumers not been trained by the video game industry to, to understand that, and not just video games, but movies and everything. Like, movies, like, you know, you buy a, a movie at release, and it's, like, expensive. Or, like, it's, like, 30 bucks, it's 25 bucks. But if you wait for it to go on sale, like, Maybe six months down the road, you can pick it up for ten or fifteen. Haven't we been trained as customers, you know, to look for the best deal? I mean, yes, we have. I mean, yes, I believe in supporting developers, and if there's a game I really want to go buy at full price, I want to play right away. I will, I'm going to go. I'm going to go buy. I will it. absolutely do that. But at the same time, can you really blame consumers for doing, you know, following no. a trend that the video game industry and the entertainment industry as a whole has set? I mean, it, it's. That's the trajectory of a product, like a computer or a laptop or a video game hardware comes out. Well, video game hardware, you may see cheaper models later later on, but you see uh, external storage, like all, all that stuff gets cheaper as time goes on. And like, that's just the way we've been trained, like wait for things to go down in price and they'll become more affordable. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to yell at somebody for stealing your game, absolutely yell at them all day. People should not be stealing games, but like, you know, people waiting for games to go on sale or for a cheaper price. That's just what we've been trained to do as consumers. And and I get that part of his point was don't complain about a game not getting a sequel if you don't support it with, all with you know, 60 bucks. I mean, there may be something to that. You know, if you... If you're only willing to pay ten bucks for a game, then and and Sony turns around and says, well, we only made so much money off of this. We, we don't really want to make a sequel to this because the, you know... The, the financial investment just isn't there. Like, I mean, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword, a double-edged sword, because we as consumers complain, oh, you know, there's a while there where it's like, oh, we only get sequels, we only get sequels, and then something like, you know, Mirror's Edge or Dead Space comes out, and everyone's like, oh, God, yes, Electronic, Electronic Arts is doing great things. But then from the developer's side, you know, it may be just more, it may be, like, mean better financials if you just keep putting out Call of Duty games every year because people will buy it. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but I think that we as consumers have been taught to just if you can't if you don't want something right away, just wait for it to go down in price and you can buy it at a cheaper price. But also with when it comes to the platform holders and people who make video games, like saying, Well, why are we gonna take a, a, a flyer on this one this new original game when it's gonna cost us a ton of money in marketing or whatever, it's gonna cost us a ton of money to make, and we may not get that final event and that financial investment back, whereas we can just release another sports game or another Call of Duty and we'll make money off it. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, Yield. I, yeah, I, I, I can't help you with that either. I mean, <sighs> so this day and I was, I was going to say this day and age with the keyboard warriors picking up a game, you know, we'll just stay with Days Gone. So those of you who picked it up late, and I'm talking like, well, you know, you, you were me, you bargain shopped, or hey, I got it for plus, and you play it and you love it, and you want a sequel, you rush to the forums and start complaining about a sequel. I, I I get that. And in that aspect, I totally go with Garvin. Well, you, you know, you, you, you didn't support it. You know, back before we had all these forums and everybody who could hide behind a keyboard had a voice, you know... It, it, it went on sales numbers, and games didn't go on sale as quickly. 
Um, so I, yeah, I really don't know if there's a, a good way for it. Uh, it, it honestly, I think it's, it's what, if Sony believes in the game and, at first, they believed heavily in Days Gone, considering, you know, the... the oh, they, they put a big the, marketing the, push behind it. I mean, they, oh, you saw yeah. that game everywhere. So, but then... If they don't see the return back on it, they're going to move on. And... I don't know where I was going with this. Well, I mean, you can. You, I mean, you look at something like. I mean, unfortunately, I think the things are the way they are, and yeah, you're gonna have people steal games because that's just what some people do. They they have the the access and the nerve to steal a game, so that's that they're gonna do it. And you, we, you know, you and I, we're gonna still be at times frugal with our money, and we may wait for a game to to be on sale and we'll buy it then, or we may wait for it to come to PlayStation Plus, or who knows. Maybe if a game never came to PlayStation Plus and was free to us, we would have never tried it. Who who knows? Like I, I can't remember if I got and, one and, and, and there's that too because you, even though Tricky and I were like, man, you need to play this. You were like, I I have no desire. Now you're going to try it because you got it for free as part of your Plus subscription. So I totally get that. Yeah, I mean, because you you know you you know you and Tricky have played Last of Us too, and I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it. Blood, I'm in no rush. Bloodborne was a game that I played through. I bought the old Hunters DLC. I got the Platinum. So obviously I play that game as fully as you can play it. I got it on... I can't remember if I got it on sale or I got it for free, but it was part of PlayStation Plus in some way. And I never would have played that game if it was not as deeply discounted or it wasn't on. Uh, wasn't for free. And you look at you look at some games like you look at Horizon Zero Dawn, getting a sequel. You look at The Last of Us, got a sequel. Probably going to get another one. You look at... You know how many sequels are in the Uncharted series? You look at Spider the Spider or uh, Marvel Spider Man that was made by Insomniac, and how that we got Spider Man Miles Morales last year, and we're likely going to get another Spider Man game after that. And you're, we're going to get yeah, you're gonna there get two. are quite a few Sony games that they have been successfully able to launch and market that will get sequels, and there will be other games that don't. And unfortunately for Days Gone, that was that game that got caught up that is not going to get a sequel. It didn't see the return that they wanted. And, you know, I don't know what it was about that game that that people didn't necessarily, that not enough people wanted to play. I don't know. Like, Sony Bend is a solid studio, and I don't know if it's just a, oh, it's another zombie game. I don't want to play that. It, I don't know people's reasoning. For me, it just, I, there, there was not enough there to grab me. So, I think that unfortunately, you know, Sony and Nintendo and Microsoft, they're going to continue to run sales, and they're going to probably run sales all the time. And they're going to just going to be some of these games that fall into this trap because i mean sony they sony the playstation plus has been very successful for sony and part of that the part of that package is the sales and the discounted games and the free games and sony's not going to step away from that so because if you're going to encourage people to to spend the money every year and so they can play online you got to have like i don't think playing online you got to have the hook and i think the biggest hook is the sales so we're not stepping back from that and unfortunately there's just going to be some games that just fall through and just fall into a precipice and days gone was that game. So, uh, yes, definitely support developers don't steal, but I don't think that anyone should be shamed for spending, for buying a game at discount. I think anyone should be shamed for waiting until a game is, you know, on PlayStation plus. Although I guess there could be more understanding, you know, if we are as gamers, we're like, well, why the hell isn't this game getting a sequel? We want to play this. You got to understand that Sony has to look at those numbers and say, well, not enough people bought the game or we didn't make enough money off the game so we were opting not to make 
a sequel. So you kind of got to be understanding from that regard. But, you know, as consumers, we are trained to get the best deal. You know, people yeah. people hop from supermarket and, to supermarket to get the best deal on certain foods. So, you know, that... And, and instead of being upset, if people are upset at Bend, instead of being upset at Bend, you should be more upset at Sony because they're the ones that greenlight yeah, but games you, can, and stories. you can't really be upset at Sony for making well, no, the, best, the best possible financial decisions. Well, yeah, but but I but I mean, if you want to put pressure on somebody for a sequel, Sony's the one you want to go after because there have been games in past where enough people clamored about it that Sony was like, "Well, you know what? Maybe we should make a sequel." Hey, so I mean, Shinmu got bra- got bra- back brought back for a third game. You know, we've we've seen crowdfunding do a lot. Who knows? Maybe there'll be a crowdfunding effort someday for Days Gone too. But it it for right now, Sony's not touching that. And you know, if if it definitely is because the game just didn't make enough, then I, we can't blame. I don't I don't think anyone's to blame here. This just happens sometimes. Yeah, it just happens. That's that's where I'm at. Well, yield. We've been. Cracking at this for about an hour and a half. What do you say we do some shout outs and get out of here? Actually, first, let me let me look and see if there's anything shared within the the Trophy Horse Facebook group that I'd like to highlight. Get throw out some love to some of the some of the community. Definitely not Michael Miller. Who wants to hear what he has to say? Uh, your brother wants to start a fight because on Thursday he posted uh, the sign guy. Uh, Last of Us is a Resident Evil wannabe. Change my mind. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I like that. Nitro got a big laugh out of that. Daryl said yes. Your brother said third person zombie shooter. Tell me I'm wrong. I think he posted another one like that and I posted a picture of a troll. Oh, Because for- <laughs> I know... I know, he's just trying to start stuff. Uh, Levi posted on Thursday, so I finally tried Prey this morning, about 90 minutes in, and it's okay. I'm sure it is a fun game, but for me it's hard going from top-tier games of the genre Doom, Bioshock, etc. to just an average game. I'll try it again tomorrow morning. Levi, I think that a lot of people were disappointed with Prey. I think that was a game that had a lot of hype that just didn't live up to it. So it's not just you. And then Levi also posted about an hour ago, finally given the Evil Within a try on Game Pass, just finished the first chapter, and it's not that not too bad. It didn't have many Resident Evil, ele- uh, Resident Evil elements, but a good Outlast vibe. Yeah, so Levi, stick into the, the survival horror there, I see, sir. Oh, that's, a, that's, another, I mean, that's another example there of Games Pass where Levi is given... The evil within a try money he you know he spends money on game pass but he didn't spend it you know 60 bucks on evil within but you know that that's his way of that's his door in uh, his entry into the game so i mean as a creator yes you want your your game to make money but also don't you want people to play it and as many as people possible to play it so if that's their avenue in game pass or playstation plus and i don't think that's a bad thing all right the topic is topic is done yield Let's get out here some shout outs, sir. Why don't you shout out to the community, to family, to friends, to video game makers, whoever you want to shout out to. Shout out to Prepared Dire Scum. He had a birthday last week. Also, shout out to Prepared Dire Scum, Harry Balls on you. Homer gets stuffed. We had our monthly 
video game, trash talking, playing. Uh, shout out to Alex for recording tonight. Shout out to Tricky doing whatever Tricky does. Doesn't really doesn't record. Uh, shots fired. Uh, shout out to you, all the pimps and the madams of the whoredom, downloading, listening, interacting, Facebooking, all that awesome stuff. Um, that's it. And I want to thank the listeners, the fuel to the fire, the trophy horse. Thank you all for downloading, listening, sharing the word of trophy horse with your friends, your family, coworkers, whoever, whoever you want to talk to the show about. We appreciate your word of mouth and we just appreciate your support. Whether you come and watch, you download the show, whether you watch us on our Twitch streams for rocket league on Thursday nights, thank you all for continuing to support the show and pushing us to even greater heights. We couldn't do without you. We would not have a show without you. So, uh, we love our community. Thank you all so very much. Give a shout out to Yield for recording with me tonight. Shout out to Tricky, even though he couldn't be here. He uh, he's working, so it's not like he's just he's sleeping it off. He's he's making some money, and he would like to have you believe lots of money where he can buy lots of PlayStation Fives with probably so many PlayStation Fives. It's preventing you from getting a PlayStation Five. Last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my awesome girlfriend Ashley, who has hard at work today on her schoolwork. Uh, you know, given. How things have been, you know, it seems like she or I are either busy, whether I'm editing the podcast or she's doing schoolwork or stuff for work. But we did take a break from all that. And this past Wednesday, we went to the Louisville Zoo for one of their semi, it seems semi-annual lantern festivals, light shows there. They call it Wild Lights, where I talked about a little bit where they they, um, basically build these giant animal structures out of lanterns. Really cool. But uh, went there this past Wednesday, had a wonderful time, had some really cool stuff out there. They actually, as I was talking about the, the foxes a little earlier in my, my desire to play Spear of the North because I, played, I got to play as a fox, one of the coolest things they had there was they had a structure, a lantern built out, and it was a Nine Tails from ancient Chinese and Japanese myth. So it was really cool to see like a Nine Tails built out of lanterns and lit up at the, in, in the night. So uh, one of my favorite things I saw there, but yeah. Had a great time. The wild lights. Uh, as awesome time as always. Wouldn't want to go with anyone, anyone else. So I love you, honey. And that is going to bring us to the end of the show. This has been episode 476 of Trophy Horse. Thank you all, as always, for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Until then, happy trophy hunting. Later. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.